All rise. This court is now in session. Today we are hearing serious accusations being made against Professor Albus Dumbledore, principal of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, one of the top wizarding schools in the world. We are here to decide whether Dumbledore, our favouritest wizard of all, really is the good guy he seems to be. Today, you will be a member of a very important jury in a very important trial. Hello, today you're listening to Short and Curly. You're listening to Short and Curly. Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. If one only remembers to turn on the light. Too short and curly. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a sec. What's what's going on? Where am I? Hello, Carl. I've been expecting you. Uh, M- Molly, wh- where are we? And why are you dressed like that? We're in court, the famous wizard courtroom of Wizard Gamut. Like in the Ministry of Magic from the fifth Harry Potter book? The very one! I apparated us here. W- w- what are we doing here, Molly? Carl, I've brought you here today because of the incredibly horrible, defamatory, possibly illegal thing you said earlier about one Albus Dumbledore. I, I just said he might not be a super great guy and that he didn't really act ethically in the Harry Potter books. <laughs> Terrible! As we all know from the recent series of events here, without Dumbledore, our world, our lives would have been lost to the terrible Voldemort. Don't say his name. Sorry. Plus, Dumbledore's like my favourite character in the whole series. He's wise, he's noble, he has a big old beard, he's funny. Just imagine how amazing it would be to have Dumbledore as your school principal. Every day. Every hour, this very minute perhaps, dark forces attempt to penetrate this castle's walls. But in the end, their greatest weapon is you. Just something to think about. Now off to bed! Yeah, that is the Dumbledore we all know, but if you really stop to think about it, he actually did some pretty questionable things, including sacrificing Harry Potter. I mean, I went along to chat to a bunch of professional Quidditch players in Adelaide called the Auguries. I'm sorry, professional Quidditch players? Yeah, they, you know, run around with brooms between their legs, they compete here in Australia and overseas. That's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, these guys live and breathe Harry Potter, and they've read the books loads of times as kids, teenagers and adults, and they know the characters inside out. And, well, they also aren't so sure about Dumbledore. Okay, everybody, with the brooms that you have, the nice pretty green ones, those are going to be the beaters. The ones without ends on them, those are going to be chasers and keepers. I always viewed Dumbledore in quite a positive light because he was always set up, oh, he's so powerful, he's so amazing, he's doing all these wonderful things and he's helping Harry so much. And then when we got to the last book, I realised, oh, he's being a bit, uh, what's he doing? Now, reading them back for like the ninth time at this age, I 
can realise that Dumbledore is definitely a person with faults and he's definitely done a few bad things. His actions ended up having a generally positive effect on the wizarding community at large, so I'd probably consider him a good guy. Legitimate... He believes he's doing the right thing because no one's... I don't think he's evil in his own eyes, but I think there are some places where he probably should have sought after a second opinion. Adam, watch that high tackle. Okay, okay, but even if he's not perfect, he saved the world from he who must not be named. He did the right thing. Hmm. Look, that's why I've decided to take you, Carl, to court. I'm going to be Dumbledore's defence lawyer, and I'm going to prove that he did act ethically. Oh, cool. Sounds fun. So I'm going to argue the case that Dumbledore acted unethically then? Exactly right, Carl. And we'll bring in a few experts like Matt Beard and some aspiring wizards and witches to present some evidence. And you at home or in the car, you can be the jury and decide whether he did act ethically or not. Deal. Okay, I am totally in for this. Your Honour, I think we're ready to proceed. The Wizen Gamut is now in session, examining whether Professor Albus Dumbledore acted ethically or not. Witches and wizards. <clears throat> Witches and wizards of the court. I have three clear allegations against Dumbledore that I will lay before you today. First, that he is not always the good, kind and gentle character you think he might be. Second, that he lies, deceives and withholds information. And finally, that he is willing to sacrifice those he loves. <gasps> to begin my case, my first allegation. I will demonstrate to you that Dumbledore is far from being perfect. Your Honour, I put to you that Dumbledore has had a long history of acting without respect for others. For many years, he was good friends with the dark wizard, Gellert Grindelwald. And together they argued that wizards and witches should be in charge of muggles. I would allege that in many ways, Professor Dumbledore is just as bad as Voldemort. Whoa, you're comparing Dumbledore to Voldemort? Your Honour, I'll admit that what he said about my client was true, but this was years ago when Dumbledore was blinded by his feelings towards Grindelwald. He grew up, he realised the error of his ways, and he became a champion for Muggles' rights. Your Honour, the court now has further evidence from some of the young aspiring magicians from Randwick Public School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Dumbledore grew up in a very anti-Muggle family. His father killed three muggles. He had a squib sister and he, her, his mother died. And like, if all my family were robbers, I'd probably be a robber too. So it's not very easy not to do when you're in, raised by people or have friends that are against muggles. Well, maybe the reason why Dumbledore was so like good and so kind to Mongols is because of those things he did in his past. Because you can feel really bad, like you can feel so much remorse, but sometimes that's not enough. And sometimes you need like actually do things to make it better. So maybe the reason why like he was working so hard to get the world right again was because of what he'd done before. 
So like trust is broken easily and trust is made very hard. So if you like break the trust on a very early age, maybe you might not get as much friendship later on. But like if you keep making that up with your own actions, then you might get yourself a little second chance. Yeah, mostly why he was good at the end, really good, because he learnt from his lessons of being bad before. Ha ha ha! Take that, my learned friend. Those apprentice wizards and witches are pretty much on my side. Expecto Patronum! Order in the court, please. Well, Your Honour, regardless of his character, Dumbledore has done some unquestionably unethical things. Oh, objection! I'll allow it. But get to the point, please, Mr Smith. What is the second allegation you are making in this courtroom today? Your Honour, my second allegation is that Professor Dumbledore lies and withholds information. He knew that Harry was going to fight he who cannot be named and he knew that Harry would have to die if Voldemort was to be defeated. But he says nothing. Molly, would you please read this line from your client confessing his sins? Can you forgive me for not trusting you? For not telling you? Harry, I only feared that you would fail as I had failed. I only dreaded that you would make my mistakes. I crave your pardon, Harry. Nice Dumbledore. Uh, Thank you, Carl. Okay, so he withheld a bit of information, and he may have dodged a few questions along the way, but he was often doing it for Harry's own good. Can you imagine being 11 years old and knowing you had to fight the most evil, terrible wizard ever to have existed? In that passage, my client Dumbledore is asking Harry for forgiveness and actually said to Harry in the fifth book, I cared more for your happiness than your knowing the truth. Yeah, but if you had to do that, take on the most evil wizard in history, you'd probably want to know what you were getting into, and maybe that would even help you prepare for it. In defence of my client Dumbledore, I would like to tender some more evidence from our magical brains trust. Um, I think you can trust him because... Like, he might keep those secrets for good reasons because he doesn't want Harry to find out at that moment. He wants him to discover those things as his life goes on. I think it was um, quite a good decision because, like, if he had actually told him his destiny, then Harry would have, like, actually tried to follow it and then he might have changed it because the future isn't always as clear as Dumbledore thinks. If he told him, he might be, like, frightened of what's ahead. Sometimes it's better to do things in, like, the heat of the moment when, like, you don't know what's going to happen next, so you have to make the right choice quickly. I would, like, not want to know the destiny because I would think if I knew, then I might think about it and be like, oh, I want to change this and stuff. But if you just let it play out, then it'll sort of just happen. I call Matt Merlin's Beard Beard, ethics expert to the stand. Dr Beard, is it really so bad to withhold a bit of information or even lie to someone in this situation? I think our magical brains trust has really captured some of the difficulty here. One thing to remember is that Harry is still young. He's still a child in the wizarding world when all of this is going on. And we do try to 
protect kids a little bit from some of the information they receive in order to allow them to have a childhood free from some of the burdens of the adult world. And Dumbledore does say, you know, I thought about telling you when you were 11, I thought about telling you when you were 12, and eventually his hand is forced and he has to tell Harry when he's 15 years old. So there's a balance here between what Harry needs to know in order to make the decisions that he has to make and trying to give him some of that experience that every young person is entitled to. And I think that what's important to remember here is that even whether we think Dumbledore does the right or the wrong thing, he thinks really, really hard about it. Dr Beard, are you trying to tell us that truth is not important? Not at all. I'm not trying to tell us that truth is not important. What I'm trying to say is that we're not always entitled to all the truth at any particular time. There is information that our parents or teachers or people in authority don't give us. And even as adults, there's information that political leaders don't communicate to us because it's too important for everyone to know about. There are secrets everywhere. It's just about figuring out what needs to be kept a secret from who and for how long. And I think those are the questions Dumbledore wrestles really hard with. Thank you, Dr Beard. Expert witness Matthew Beard from the Magical Ethics Centre. Now, let me pose this question to you, the jury. And remember, this is your chance to pause this podcast and discuss the question with your fellow jurors. Do you think it was okay for Dumbledore to keep such a big secret? Hit pause now. Right, now, let's not dilly-dally, Mr Smith. What is your third and final allegation today? Your Honour, wizards and witches. We've heard about Professor Albus Dumbledore's questionable character, and we've heard how he lied and deceived those around him. But now to the cornerstone of our case. This great and noble and wise wizard was willing to sacrifice someone he supposedly loves, one Harry Potter. Something even Severus Snape thought was wrong. So when the time comes, the boy must die? Yes. Yes. He must die. You've kept him alive so that he can die at the proper moment. You've been raising him like a pig for slaughter. Don't tell me now that you've grown to care for the boy. A pig for slaughter. Surely, if even Snape can find fault in Dumbledore for this, then the former headmaster of Hogwarts was in the wrong. And even the young wizards and witches at Randwick Public School say this may not have been the best decision. Um, I think that would be like a really hard decision. Losing one person in the world instead of like many would sort of um, be better. But once again, it's like still the person and it's a really like you love the kids. So it would be really, really difficult. It kind of depends what the bigger thing is. But I think you would have to ask Harry, like, Harry, are you brave enough to die for the greater good? But it's up to Harry to make the final choice. Ms Daniels, do you have anything more for the court here today? Your Honour, yes, Dumbledore was willing to sacrifice Harry's life. And many other lives. And some other lives, Carl. 
But he did all of that to defeat the evil Voldemort, which stopped many, many more lives being lost. And to demonstrate why this was the correct thing to do, I call ethicist Matt Beard to the stand yet again. Let's start with the first point. Did Dumbledore actually sacrifice all those people's lives? Yes, it's true he knew that some people were going to die, and yes, he knew that at some stage Voldemort would have to kill Harry or Harry would have to kill Voldemort. But Harry's decision to fight Voldemort was his own. He made those decisions for himself. So imagine if you were the general of an army in a really big war, because that's kind of what Dumbledore was. Sometimes in war, you have to make decisions that mean some people will die in order that other people will live. Sometimes when we're facing an ethical decision, we don't have the chance to do something good. All we have to choose is the least bad option. And I think that's the right way to look at Dumbledore's decisions here. Well, then by that logic, the ends do justify the means, right? Not necessarily. When we say the ends justify the means, basically what we're saying is that if we're going to achieve a really good result by some course of action, we can do some things that are bad along the way because what we're trying to do will balance out the bad stuff that we've done. And most ethicists are uncomfortable with that because it means that when the stakes are really high, basically anything is justified and that can include murder or torture or stealing or lying, any kind of things that usually we don't really like to see in society. And what's more, I'm not actually convinced that Dumbledore himself thought that way. If we look at Dumbledore's ultimate goal, which was defeating Voldemort, the best thing for him to do would probably have been to tell Harry the truth and train him from a really young age to be some sort of wizard super soldier. But that's not what he did. He tried to protect Harry's childhood as much as he could, even though it meant Harry was less prepared to face Voldemort than he might have been. I don't think those are the actions of someone who thinks the ends justify the means. Thank you, Dr Beard. Your Honour, I would like to tender one more piece of evidence in defence of the accused from the boy who lived himself. After Voldemort kills Harry in the forest, Harry forgives Dumbledore for sacrificing him and decides he agrees with him. So even for Harry, the most affected person by this decision, what Dumbledore did was the best thing. Mr Smith, would you apply your high-level acting skills to reading a section from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? <laughs> OK, I'll, I'll try my best Harry Potter voice here. Sometimes you've got to think about more than your own safety. Sometimes you've got to think about the greater good. This is war. Very nice. And now this section, after all the secrets were revealed, shows Harry understands why Dumbledore did it. And on top of all that, Harry does live. So not only was the whole world saved, but Harry didn't really even have to die to get there. So the outcome overall is still a pretty good one. Mr Smith, is there anything more you would like the jurors to consider today? Yes, Your Honour. Jurors, I now have one final question for you. Please pause this podcast so you can give it the full attention it deserves. My good and thoughtful members of the jury, would you be willing to make that kind of sacrifice for the greater good of the world? Hit pause now.
Order, order, order in the court, please. Mr. Carl Smith and Miss Molly Daniels, I think I've just about heard enough. Ms. Molly Daniels, could you please make your closing statement? Then it's over to the jury to decide. Thank you, Your Honour. For my closing statement to the jury, I would like Carl to answer this simple question. Okay. If Dumbledore is such a bad guy, did you cry when he died? What? Hey, come on. Did you, Carl? It, it, it was really sad, okay? Carl, you're crying right now. No, no, you are. Ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. Carl, get some tissues. I'm fine. I just have allergies. It's, it's so dusty in this courtroom. So now it's time for you, the jury, to decide. Please consider carefully what you have heard in court today. Remember, there is a man's reputation at stake here. We need you to decide whether Professor Albus Dumbledore did the right thing. Can we, in fact, still call him a great person? Make a just and fair decision, young jurors. This court is adjourned. While we may come from different places and speak in different tongues, our hearts beat as one. Well, we've uh, given you a lot to think about today, Potter fans. It's been pretty cool. How cool? Magical! Uh, thanks, as always, to our Brains Trust at Randwick Primary, including Grace, Christy, Dobby, Rishi, Natalia, Hermione, Celeste, Sean, Vanessa, Harry, Ron, Jason, and Roman. Snape, Snape, Savarus Snape, 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 Savarus Snape. Dumbledore! Snape. And the song you're listening to is, of course, the mysterious ticking noise by the Potter Puppet Pals.